From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Erin Jones. This time, we'll hear about a man who created his dream job and found a way through his grief in the process. Life is obviously too short. You never know what's around the next corner. You know, if this is a dream that we had, we need to follow it. We need to do it. Justin Murray grew up in Florida at New Smyrna Beach. It was always a lot of fun. My youngest brother, Jason, we were Irish twins, so we were born in the same calendar year. So that was always a benefit to have somebody so close in age as a friend and all of that growing up as a child. My older brother and my younger sister, I won't say that they're not outdoorsy by any means. and I know they love the outdoors, but they didn't play outside the way we did. I would say the two of us were more of your typical Florida boy, just always wanting to do something outside and go out and have fun. We, we surfed more, we fished more. We used to catch little alligators and swim at the spring head and see if we could grab some turtles or whatever. We were always real competitive too, so that always made things more interesting. We were part of the ESA, the Eastern Surfing Association down here. That's our competitive circuit. We really enjoyed that, especially if I would get a heat with my brother, then it really became interesting. I was older than him, so I felt like I needed to win, but he definitely got his fair share of wins against me as well. We dabbled with making boards through our childhood. We started making our first boards somewhere between the age of like 12 and 14. The first board that I think I made was repurposed. It was actually a board that we had ripped the fiberglass off a longboard. We were filling big divots with anything we could, other pieces of foam, putty, whatever it was. When I finished that one, I was just eager to get an actual blank and make a real board. And the next one came out, obviously, a whole lot better. The first one was surfable, but I wouldn't necessarily want to stand behind that board. We would make a couple boards for ourselves. We'd make boards for friends. I wouldn't say we were making them as a job and more of a hobby or something that, as kids, we just thought was cool to know how to do. And they were surfable. You can almost surf anything. It doesn't take a perfect board to surf it well, but you get blanks that are pretty much shaped. You're just fine tuning them for the most part, or at least that's what we used to do as kids. So they're definitely good boards. They lasted as long as we needed them to. At the time, we thought we were gonna be the next master board builders out there. And we always talked about being able to have a surf shop and even if we weren't making boards to be selling boards or in the industry we always thought we were going to be the next kelly slater too so yeah <laughs> and then they grew up justin went to college and started working in finance his irish twin brother jason got a corporate job too and they were still best friends we were close every single second. When you're raised with somebody that close in age, you develop a special bond that takes you far beyond 
friends or beyond brothers, just as real as it gets. There's no ulterior motives. You genuinely want nothing but the absolute best for each other. Where we lived, there was a, a Tijuana Flats. We'd meet there often for lunch because it was really close to us. And every time we ordered, he would order two meals. And you didn't even have to ask him. You knew that he had seen somebody that was homeless on his way in, and he was buying another meal to bring to them. At that point, being in our early 20s, I remember telling him, look, if you give away every extra dollar that you get, you're never going to get ahead. You need to save your money, and then you'll be able to make a bigger difference. But in his mind, it wasn't about that. It was, this person needed this now, and he had it. And you know, that's just the kind of individual he was. He was working for Sunkiss Naturals, and they were doing a big something down in Miami. Well, one of the truckloads of the Sunkiss Naturals, and this, this was a semi-truck, it was supposed to be refrigerated. I guess the refrigeration process had died in the truck. So the truck arrived, and Jason's boss told him that the refrigeration part of this truck had just broken. And his boss was really upset because he was going to have to throw away all of this juice. It was only going to last for another eight hours or something like that. And he had asked Jason to handle the disposing of it. So Jason went and he had the truck go underneath an overpass downtown Miami. And he unloaded an entire 18-wheeler full of all natural juices and nutritional stuff to all the homeless people in the next five hours. I remember he originally got a little bit in trouble for work because I'm sure there's procedures that they need to go through in order to be giving away stuff like that. But he ended up getting written up in the Miami newspaper. They talked about him as if he was some sort of saint that showed up to provide nourishment for all of the less fortunate individuals but that's just how he was as we got older he was the one pushing me to surf more when we were younger it was probably a little bit more equal with us both just always wanting to surf every second when we got older we would do paper rock scissors sometimes of whether or not he'd come fishing with me or we'd both go surfing but we still surfed a lot did pretty much all the same stuff we did as kids. I mean, we'd hit the springs, we'd fish, we'd surf. There's a spring in Orlando. It's called Wakaiva Springs. And when you put in there, there's only one turn you can make, really. But just a couple hundred yards past the turn, there's this little island that's still there to this day. And it's just a sand island. But Jason and I actually built that island. We didn't do it on purpose, but we had moved a couple of trees that were down into a little square so that we could stop and put our canoes in the middle there and have a couple beers, maybe throw a pole in the water or something. But over the years, that square that we built out of the tree logs, actually with the current running from the spring, filled up with sand and created this little island. And now I see people there all the time when we paddle by there. It's still there to this day. It just makes me smile, I think, of the day that we did that. Sometimes we would chase waves when a good storm would come and You'll go to the panhandle or somewhere where there's not normally waves and you'll pull up and score 
really good waves that are just driven by a storm. But the big smile on his face when we would hit the water, I think that's the main thing I think of. Then one day when they were fishing together, Justin and Jason's old dream of making boards started to get them excited again. So the two of us were actually fishing at Thousand Islands, just south of Coco. We went to go surfing, there was no waves. We were kind of bummed out and we ended up finding a kayak for rent somewhere. And we had our rods, we had a core full of beer. We were just starting the day and we talked about getting into the surf industry, making boards again, more of as like a hobby on the side. We weren't ready to give up our jobs or income really. I don't know if it was even a possibility for us at that time, but he was at a point where he needed a new board and it just got to talking about making boards and maybe he could set up a little studio in his garage. Maybe we could do it in my garage. And we kind of got excited just bouncing around the idea because it's not too elaborate or costly of a setup for a little garage operation. And we were looking just to make some boards for ourselves or for fun at that point. We got a phone call that my other brother, his wife was going into labor. We weren't planning on driving for another four or five hours, but we immediately drove straight from there to the hospital. And that was a fun day. I'll never forget that day just because it was special because my niece was born that day. And I do remember that conversation vividly. Yeah, so uh, he is kind of a, a crazy story. When we were in high school, I think he was 15 because he couldn't drive and I could. We were at a friend's party and a girlfriend of mine or ex-girlfriend at the time, I don't remember, she, she was joking around with him. She had a, a Pringles can, like Pringles potato chips, and she very lightly hit him with the Pringles can like, oh, stop. And the little metal ring on the bottom of the Pringles can, when it hit him, it hit him right on, the, right on top of his eyebrow. And I guess the way that little metal ring hit his skin against his eyebrow and the bone underneath it, it actually just split it. So we knew we had to take him to the hospital and it was maybe one o'clock in the morning. My father's a physician, but we weren't going to wake him up to stitch him up. So we took him to the emergency room. The guy threw like two or three stitches in his eyebrow and we went back to the party. Um, what happened was when the guy stitched his eyebrow up, he pinched a nerve that feeds into his brain and he kind of pinched that nerve with the stitches. And over the next 10 years, that pinch created something called trigeminal neuralgia. And it created a mass of veins that grew in between his brain and his skull. As that mass grew, it would put pressure on his brain or in between his brain and his skull. There was a long period of time where nobody could figure out what it was. I didn't know if it was migraines, whatever. He would get these, these headaches that uh, it would make him have to stop. His eyes would water, not like crying, but just from the, the way it pushed on his head. 
Um, he went to Pittsburgh and um, once they identified what the problem was and they did a surgery where they removed that massive veins from his skull, everything was fine. I mean, he was, he was never a sick kid, uh, even though he had the trigeminal neuralgia. In his adult years, he got into working out. He never did like contests or anything like that, but he was strong as an ox, but um, I guess, you know, and we thought the surgery went well. We were supposed to go surfing that day. And he was my neighbor at that point. I could walk to his house and, um, you know, I went over there to get him and uh, he, he wasn't awake. Uh, yeah, that, that was, you know, hands down the worst day of my life. When did that happen? That was January 18th, 2009. So like in the, you know, months and years following, how did that impact you like your whole life? I mean, the months following, I, uh, I just was having a hard time, like, I guess, coping with the grieving process or, or, or just grieving. Uh, I felt like I had been robbed. I felt like something I was supposed to have forever was stolen from me. I felt like it was the one thing that I was the closest to my whole life that I could kind of guarantee was always solid and there and reliable. I'd say the first couple months, I was just yeah, I guess useless would be the best word. I, I wasn't going to get up and work. I wasn't going to eat. I wasn't going to sleep. I just didn't care. To be honest, I didn't care if I lived or died for a little bit there. And then six, seven months after he had passed away, me and my other brother were talking. He was asking if I thought I could sell boards. And I ran a couple sample ads and felt out the market to see what kind of response I was getting. And I realized at that point, I thought I could sell some boards, especially the paddle boards were, were big at the time. And I thought it was something that we had always wanted to do together. It was kind of one of those times where it was like, life is obviously too short. You never know what's around the next corner. You know, if this is a dream that we had, we need to follow it. We need to do it. So Justin and his brother RJ quit their jobs to start Three Brothers Boards. And even if Jason wasn't there, his memory was still a part of their business. There was nothing in this entire world that you could do, say, bribe him with or entice him with to ever have him jeopardize his morals. His morals and his integrity meant more than any dollar amount or, or anything else in this world. For many years after he had passed away, it used to give me chills or even a tear in my eye sometimes. You'd drive around Orlando and you would see people, mainly homeless people, wearing the Sunkiss Naturals hats. For promotions, he always had tons of these white hats that said Sunkiss Natural on them. And, you know, anytime you ever saw a homeless person wearing that, you know very well that he had stopped to talk to him, probably given him whatever cash he had on him and then a hat as well. 
So I looked at starting Three Brothers as something I was doing in Jason's name. That gave me much more of a purpose at the time. I felt like I was dedicating my life at that point to his legacy. So instead of being sad because he wasn't here, I didn't mind that I was working nights and weekends and seven days a week. I was doing it for him and it meant a lot more to me. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about a career or a job. It was about his legacy living on. You know, that's why we treat our customers like they're family. What do you think he would make of three brothers boards now, if he could see it? I sure hope he'd be proud. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's why I do this. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that every day I go to work, he's looking, he's looking down with a smile on his face. Our storyteller was Justin Murray. Justin still surfs all the time, and he always keeps a fishing rod in his car, just in case. He owns Three Brothers Boards in Florida. You can see pictures of him and his brother Jason when you follow us on social media at Human Nature Pod. I'm Erin Jones. This episode was produced by Charles Fournier. Editing help came from Sarah Ann Leverett, Greg Ronco, and Alec Schaefer. Anna Rader is our digital producer. Our theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. It's human nature.